This is Justin Anthony of Artwork Archive, and you're listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Artwork Archive, an online platform for artists to share, showcase, manage, and organize artwork all from the same place. Get professional tools and an easy-to-use system that makes managing your career easy so you can focus on your art. Listeners of the podcast can save 20% off their first year when they visit artworkarchive.com forward slash inspiration. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 74 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, I've invited the founder of Artwork Archive to dive deep into how you can start or improve the way you track your details for greater sales and productivity. Because as the saying goes, where attention goes, success flows. So in this episode, you'll discover why being an artist makes you an entrepreneur, even if you don't want to be one, how non-traditional paths are opening up doors in the art world, why relationship building is better for the long-term success of your business rather than the instant gratification of online sales. Today's guest is a social entrepreneur driven by his desire to be part of something that measures success not just by the bottom line, but by its contribution to society. His current company, Artwork Archive, has spent the last decade arming artists with the tools they need to get organized, manage their business, and share their art with the world. It is now used by thousands of artists in over a 100 countries. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Justin Anthony. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the show. Hello, and thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you. This is so exciting. So we have a lot to talk about today. First of all, where are you located? We're located in Denver, Colorado. The entire team is in Denver. Do you have a physical location where we people do. come? We do. We have a proper little office that we all go to, to to put our heads together. And it's actually out of an office space that is shared with a number of other artists it has a nonprofit in it as well that also serves the art community. So it's a really great place for us to be located because it's one thing to come up with ideas kind of in a vacuum. It's another thing to be able to interact directly with artist collectors and other art professionals to bounce things off of. So, you know, in addition to kind of interacting with our own client base, it's really a great backdrop for us. I love that. Most of my team are, are local as well. And they come to, I don't have a separate office, but they come to my house. I just prefer it because just like how I preach on this podcast that you get your best art sales from your in-person relationships, I also think when you're building a company, those relationships are that much richer when you're able to interact in person, don't you think? For sure. And it also goes a long way in kind of getting us away from our own Kool-Aid. Some of us are artists ourselves or collectors. And regardless of that, you know, it's it's easy to kind of take certain things for granted or to build up certain kind of notions that are based on your own experiences. So having people from kind of all ages and stages around you that are working in that art world 
continuously there to be able to, you know, tap into for opinions, advice, or just criticism in general is a great way to keep us moving forward. We promised we would talk about like why relationship building is best for the long-term success. There's a lot of my listeners and people who reach out to me who want to work with me that they just want like some sort of easy solution where they don't have to leave their house. They can become famous from the comfort of inside their home. They never have to leave their house and the sales just come in. And I always hate to burst their bubble because even though, yeah, the internet is part of all that, you really can't get away from the real person relationship building. From the business standpoint, we're kind of only as good as our audience and the relationships we have with not just our customers, but the professionals we work with. So, you know, in addition to the platform, we also produce a ton of content. You know, if I'm working on something that's going to be on the most common documents artists use, I want to be talking to legal professionals. If it's about accounting, I want to be talking to tax professionals. And if it's something on the subject of collection management, collection, estate planning, insuring, all that stuff, we want to make sure that we've got a network of experts that we can tap into, that we've got real relationships with, so we know we're not just getting generic advice. And then similarly, the key success for us has been our interaction with our customers. Everyone, whether it's myself or my business partner, John, every single person on the team has to do at least 30 minutes of customer service a day to make sure that all of us are interacting with our artists and our collectors to make sure that we actually understand what's going on versus just making assumptions, as you said, like in a box. You know, more power to those who are able to stay in their own kind of sequestered environment. Many of my artist friends are introverted to a certain degree, but they've kind of come to realize that without putting themselves out there to a certain degree, it's really hard to kind of broaden their network and broaden their customer base. It can be limiting locking yourself away. And just like you said, like for you to really understand what your customers want by talking to them, I find it's the same thing as an artist. I really don't know if I put, I'm just going to make something up. If I put a painting on Instagram of a blue butterfly and nobody buys it, I don't really know why, right? But if I, mm-hmm. if I go to an art fair and I have my blue butterfly painting part of my booth and somebody will come up to me, Hey, do you have a green butterfly? I'm just making this right. up, right? Or actually that's, I really like your style, but do you have a bird? So these conversations, they don't really happen online because people just don't have the time to stop and inquire and ask those types of questions. But when you're in person with somebody, you can really get a sense, oh, wait a minute, they do like my art, but they're looking for something a little different than maybe what I have. Like that kind of what I want to call market research is like what you say, like talking to customers. It happens most effectively in person. There's only so much you can gain how great your relationship is, let's say with your gallerist, if you happen to be an artist that's chosen that path you're only going to get a limited amount of information. There's only so much you can glean secondhand. Similarly, on the internet, there's only so much you can glean from people hiding behind a keyboard. The interactions are likely going to be more robust and genuine if they're had in person. And the advantage with getting outside your own immediate sphere is you're getting different points of context It's very easy to get yourself kind of locked in your own echo chamber where you're only hearing things from friends and family or you're only hearing things from people in your immediate circle. And when you're looking to evolve and looking to put yourself out there and kind of expand, 
it's very difficult to do that unless you have multiple points of input. And I'm not saying it's necessarily absolutely critical to one's success, because I've certainly seen artists who are just hell-bent on doing exactly what they want to do without any input from anybody else. But at the very least, when you're having those interactions, you're finding out where someone found out about you. How did someone hear about you? And when you find out what's working, you can rinse and repeat and kind of amplify those things. And it's hard to get that information. For those who don't know, I use Arcwork Archive in my business, and I primarily use it as my contact management to keep track of my collectors, who's bought what, and to invite them to these in-person events. And I've been finding that the number one way for me to make more sales are through these physical invitations in the mail, inviting people to my art shows. <laughs> so not that I don't email, but there's definitely less of a spam filter on people's traditional mailboxes. Have you heard that from artists, other artists as well? For sure. I, I think a lot of the old school kind of tried and true marketing principles often get overlooked. There's absolutely no question that digital needs to be a part of every artist's career in the modern day. And you definitely can have some genuine interaction online. But, you know, to the points that have been made earlier, the the kind of richness and variety of interaction and engagement you can have, think of it this way in your own personal life. When you can put a face to the name, when you can put a voice to the name, and when you have that personal interaction your odds of creating kind of genuine, long-lasting relationships increase. And what we've definitely found and, and, and heard over this last decade working with artists is some of our most successful artists aren't necessarily the ones that have hustled so hard to build up Instagram followers and Facebook likes and that type of thing. They're the ones that have cultivated really meaningful relationships with groups of collectors and continued to compound on that. So for example, if you've got someone that's bought from you before, it's likely when you have something new, they may be interested in it again. It's likely they have friends that have similar tastes in art that have been to their houses, that have seen their work on the walls or your work on their walls and could be interested in that. So it's this thing that is so often overlooked, which is frustrating. I think, you know, you and I have talked offline before about one of my personal, and I'm taking off my artwork archive hat and speaking just as Justin, the collector here, I don't love the idea of artists chasing the quick online sale, this instant gratification. I cannot tell you how many artists talk to us on a regular basis, just stressing out so completely about which platform's best. What's the best software? What's the best shopping cart? How do I amplify or how do I up my online sales? When at the end of the day, for me, even giving the collector the means of contacting you individually starts a conversation, like being able to inquire about a piece, give me the opportunity to learn more. Then it's not just a buy now, click, one and done situation. So in my personal opinion, this kind of rise of the online sales has really led to a commoditization of art. And if you look at the statistics, sites like Saatchi and Etsy and all these other online sites, it's so easy to be lost in the shuffle of the millions of other artists that are there. So I think you kind of get lost in the shuffle. I think it commoditizes art. And if you look at the dollar figures for the typical purchase of artwork online, it still is at or below the $1,000 mark. 
So as you start to, you know, evolve in your career and charging, you know, more and more, it's much more difficult to kind of garner those types of sales online. And it really helps to have established those professional or personal relationships because I can tell you personally, as a collector, when I'm buying from artists, I love the opportunity of getting to know them more. The artists I buy from most are the ones that I've met in person or had some opportunity to have at least a phone call or some kind of engagement because it makes them more real to me. I get an understanding more about who they are as an artist, and therefore the work itself is more appealing to me. You said so many great things there that I want to start unpacking. So, mm, Sorry the f- for the rant. No, it's, <laughs> it was music to my ears. So the first thing very much dovetails very nicely with what I teach the artists who I coach, and that is your email list or your contact management, that is more important than having a website. Being able to communicate with your prospects is more important than what, like you said, the buy now button, because you can always, if they want it, say, yes, send me a check. You don't have to have that click. Yeah. Or PayPal or Square. You don't necessarily have to have, I mean, and I don't want to make a blanket statement that selling your work online, you know, is taboo and you shouldn't have that as a potential option. What I'm trying to point out is the fact that In my personal opinion, energy is better served toward cultivating meaningful relationships and focusing on that than trying to figure out which platform is the best, which online galleries do I need to be on? Because I see so many artists spinning their wheels, investing so much time, money, and energy with a lot of false expectations because so many of these sites promise the world and never deliver and then you're kind of left in this the same kind of frustrating place. Whereas if you're doing what you're kind of going over and what you're teaching in the class, which is find ways to build meaningful relationships, grow your collector database. One of the things we do as Artwork Archive as part of the collection management tool is not just recording who you've sold to, when you've sold it, and all those details, but also building in a reminder system that if you say, let's say you grab a card at an art fair, grab that card get that contact entered in the system as a prospect, and then make a note to follow up with them because you're going to make a note to, hey, they say they like this particular, you know, in your butterfly example, they want the green butterfly versus the blue. So when you do that yellow one, make a note that this is someone you reach out to. You can call them, you can send them a a handwritten note, you can email them, you can do any of those things. And you you talked about kind of the what a lot of people would consider kind of older school marketing with the physical mailers. I was at this event recently with, you know, hundreds of artists and had a chance to sit down with groups of them. And I asked, you know, what were some of the most successful sales strategies for 2019 for you? And groups of people were saying, I sent an old school mailer, you know, snail mail mailer, to a bunch of my old, you know, buyers, letting them know that I'm going to have an end of the year sale. And that represented over 50% of my sales for the year. That's amazing. So just by simply sending them a paper copy of, hey, here's an event, check it out. And 
a lot of them referred to their website, but they did so using traditional means of communication rather than getting lost in the inbox that everyone gets lost into during the holiday time. So not only is it, like you said, it's traditional old school, but what's actually happening is there's way less competition in that mailbox at your front door now. And when people do get something, now, even though with your system, there is a way for me to hand to print the labels, which I've done, unless I'm doing a huge mailing, I have found it's better for me to hand write a couple of them because people love that personal touch. Think of how you feel when you get a handwritten note from someone these days. Even if I do a postcard, I stick it in an envelope because that whole process of opening an envelope, it's like getting a present in the mail. So you've change the whole energy exchange around it rather than here's the sales mailer that I didn't spend any time and I just threw out there to like, here's this little gift that you get to see my art and I'm inviting you to whatever show I'm having or whatever thing I'm having. It, it changes the whole dynamic. And if you do a cost benefit analysis and really put together what it costs you in stamps, in time to generate it, and compare that to what you've spent on a Facebook ad campaign or an ad in Plain Air magazine or whatever magazine you happen to be advertising it or something like that, there's nothing else that's going to have an ROI that's like that. And as an emerging artist, obviously, it takes some time to start developing that collector list. But you do so by putting yourself out there, by going to those events, by participating in fairs and things like that. And no sale is too small to record that buyer relationship. What I also like about your system is because there is places for me to keep track. For those who don't know, Artwork Archive, it's basically a database that holds all this data. But what's really nice is that in addition to me being able to keep track of, okay, I met Mary at this outdoor art association, and these are the pieces of artwork she bought for me. It's not just a list. I can also put a visual representation of everything. That's really helpful if I wanted to reach out to Mary and say, hey, Mary, I know you've collected these three things for me in the past, and I have this new piece that would really fit into your collection, and I'm able to visually see that. So that's what's really nice, as well as when you reach the point where you have a 1,000 people in your database, you don't want to be inviting everyone in your system to every show. And you can group them by types, you can group them by preferences, you can search by notes. So there's a number of different ways. And, you know, because, you know, most, if not all people that use Artwork Archive are using it as their main inventory system for their artwork as well, it is so easy to get exactly the works in the hands you want. Like, if you know someone is looking for butterflies and you're doing a new series on butterflies, you can put that collection in their hands. And with the addition of our new private rooms feature, you can now create these private viewing rooms for those customers. So if you do want to do the digital side instead of you know something on the snail mail side, you can easily put in front of them this interactive situation where they can see your latest work. I think we kind of underestimated how popular the feature would be because we have a number of reports and we've got the public profile and a number of ways to share works, not just what works you have, but also who you are as an artist in the system. But this private room feature has been so widely adopted 
and is probably the most popular feature now for sharing directly with individuals you want to see specific collections, types of work. What I'm imagining is that if I were trying to promote my art, share, let's say, a 10-piece collection with either a gallery or a licensing partner, and I just want to share it with that particular business. Is that what this is for? Yeah. So right now, you know, all of your work in the system is private by default. You know, if you want to activate your public profile, and most of our artists do, you can choose to share information about yourself, choose which works and what information about those works you want to share. It's basically a great complement to your existing website and a major SEO boost given how long we've been around and how much traffic those sites get. That said, there's a lot of situations where you're just wanting to share very specific things and specific information with specific individuals. So what the private room feature does, and it was only released, I think, a month or two ago, it is a great scenario for, hey, you've just finished 10 works that you want to show to two or three collectors privately. You've got a gallerist who's interested in seeing some of your new abstract that you've been working on. So you can just showcase that. It gives them a chance to click through, see high-resolution versions of the work and whatever information you want to include. So you can write them, and this is what's been really interesting for us because we didn't think of it this way. We've got artists that are reaching out to their own collectors and saying, you know what, I did a commission for you on such and such. Here's some of the new pieces I'm working on that you might be interested in. But they're writing these personalized notes and then giving them a digital environment in which they can experience it in. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Instead of sending them to like the link on their website, right? they are creating a very personalized experience just for that right. set of collectors. Right, right, Is that right? right. Got right. it. Okay. So I want to give also our artists some ideas of some non-traditional paths, because I know since you work with many artists that you're familiar with some different ways artists can be selling their art besides galleries. Can we talk about that for a moment? Sure, sure. And, and I say that's probably, you know, as we look at the last decade and think of what's coming up in this next decade, I think one of the biggest trends we're seeing is this kind of drift toward the non-traditional. And when I say non-traditional, I'm, we're really referring to deviation from the, I went to art school, I get gallery representation, and that's how I get noticed. And I would even say things like art fairs, although they've been around for a long time, are gaining a lot more prominence. You know, they're, they're a lot more popular. Buyers are finding themselves buying a lot more from that environment than the traditional gallery environment. A lot of galleries that have chosen not to kind of adapt to modern times are finding themselves either going out of business or losing their relevancies. So I think it's basically what you had said earlier in the conversation is that the collector likes to develop that relationship with the artist. And that's why they prefer buying from them directly rather than having that kind of middleman of the gallerist in between or no. Yes, but with a caveat. And I personally work as much with the collector side of the business as I do with the artist side. And, and I'm a collector myself. So I break up collectors into kind of two parts. You've got, for the sake of this, let's say two parts. You've got those that are just true patrons of the arts, lovers of art, and don't necessarily consider themselves among the elite. They're not buying from auctions. You know, they're really buying things for the love of the art, for the passion of the art. So those are those people that you're referring to that are always going to want to find a way to have that connection, to have some kind of 
the deeper the connection with the artist, the more likely they're going to continue to buy from that artist. And, and they love those relationships. I happen to fall into that category. Then you have that other half where really are looking for the kind of credentialing. They're spending the type of money that authenticity really needs to be verified, that they need to do their homework. And, you know, galleries really do serve a purpose there. From an artist perspective, I'm not saying artists should not look for gallery representation or that that's not still a viable path. If you've got a gallerist who is willing to hustle for you, market for you, get you in front of, because keep in mind, this is like good galleries still have amazing contact databases. They're going to get you access to contacts you would never otherwise have access to. So I don't want to discount them in any ways. What I'm saying is we are clearly seeing people gravitate toward non-traditional, non-gallery-oriented spaces because you can be every bit as successful going that route. When I say galleries, you know, there's a lot of galleries that are disappearing. It's those that continue to kind of stay in their very fixed, very brick and mortar, very traditional world. But there are some amazingly vibrant modern day galleries out there that are leveraging social media, that are incorporating themselves into their own, you know, their artist websites and are really still doing a real service for artists. But it's hard to find those galleries. We are definitely seeing artists looking for ways that fall off that path and they're finding a ton of success doing it. Before we started recording, you were telling me about artists who are selling to like hospitals and, and hotels and those types of things. Are, are people having more success doing that on their own or through galleries and consultants that have relationships? So I wouldn't say through galleries. So one of the biggest trends we've seen is this kind of rise of the curator. And I when I say curator, this could be an individual in the community, or it could also be, you know, consulting firms that you see. So, you know, in Denver, we've got a number of firms like that, that are selling direct to hospitals, hotels, etc. My wife is an architect. So one of the things she runs into on a regular basis is the client will inevitably ask her. So if she works with, you know, Marriott and Vail and larger resorts, they've got so many rooms to fill so many places and spaces to fill with beautiful things. And oftentimes they are going to non-traditional outlets, not gallerists, but companies that are working or have direct relationships with artists that they could find ways to get local art. So I would encourage every one of your artists to find out who those companies are locally and get on their radar. So you talk about relationship building. It isn't just with the people who are going to hang your art on their walls. This is also with these consulting companies that are doing these mass art placements for hotels or even the more boutique jobs for things like a new bar, a new restaurant. So if I wanted to do that research for myself, what would I type into Google to start looking for that? Art consultancy firms, local curatorial Art for businesses, art for, you know, usually in every community, there's a business center for the arts. There's some nonprofit that's connecting businesses with the arts. This is another fantastic way. So in Colorado, it's CBCA. I think it's Colorado Business Center for the Arts. So here's an organization that advocates on behalf of artists, but also works with all the business members in the community that are looking for, hey, who do I go to for such and such commission? Or do you know any artists that are doing such and such? When you have that, when you're on these people's radar and you're building those relationships and becoming part of their kind of stable of artists, it's opening you up to a world that you would not otherwise have access to. 
find out who those players are in your community and let them know you exist. I was just meeting with an artist the other day that happens to do really specific wall coverings. She does artistic wall coverings out of ceramic. And she hooked into one of these companies and now she's doing massive installations on walls before when she was doing, you know, a tile or two at a time. Mm. You know, there's these demands that you don't even know are there for your work that exist. And I love this idea because on the collector side of things, I cannot tell you how many universities, hospitals, medical facilities, banks, law offices that are looking for things locally. I have some bars and restaurants as well. If I move into a community, I want to make sure that the art that is up on those walls is from local artists. So where am I going to go to find those local artists? I'm going to go to those arts organizations like the CBCA, or I'm going to go to those consultancy firms that have a stable of local artists that I can tap into. Great advice. So to look locally, because the other limiting belief that artists coach say is they all think they have to move to New York to have this happen for them. Get that out of your head. Like, unless they're now. Of course, if you're in a 200-person town, obviously, sometimes you got to look out of your own backyard. I so often see artists striving for that kind of international or national recognition when they can have an extremely lucrative living in their own backyard because these opportunities exist. For every new hotel, new restaurant, new bar, new anything that's opening up, even local businesses. So when you hear that a business is coming to your town and opening up in a new office, they're going to want to have art on the walls. They've likely got a budget that supports either local art, local nonprofits or something, and are going to want to give back to the community. I'm a member of the River North Art District, which is one of the biggest art districts in Colorado. We have people constantly coming to us, even as the board, asking for, hey, do you have local artists we can tap into we're looking to open an office here. And artists that are smart are making sure that we know who they are. Mm, That's really good advice. This morning before our podcast, I've done four referrals to artists before this podcast today, just based on businesses coming to me asking me for local artist referrals. So now let's go back to the very first promise we made for my listeners. Why being an artist makes you an entrepreneur? People think, well, if I only had a gallerist or if I only had an art consultant, I don't have to worry about any of this. Or if I only had an art agent, do you want to burst their bubble with that? Look I, at your, just, I can see your face, this, but they can't. <laughs> right. It's so unsexy. And I understand it's unsexy. But the reality is you are a small business. If you are an artist, you are a small business owner. You are an entrepreneur. The number of hats you have to wear is something so few people can understand. So in addition to having to birth these creative things on the world and put yourself out there creatively, you also have to be a marketer, an accountant. It's so easy to get daunted by all these business basics. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed with that. But the reality that we see is those artists that kind of embrace the fact that there is a business aspect to it, are the ones that are making a living doing what they love. Even if you do find a gallery, unless you're being represented by Gagosian Gallery in New York, you're probably going to have to be in 
five galleries to make a living as an artist. And then you're going to have to make sure you know where all this artwork is. But even then, they're not doing your taxes for you. You know, before artists decide to go full time, you know, you've practiced your craft and your spare time to experiment, express yourself and grow. And and you should always approach art. But when you decide to turn art into a career, you're going to begin to see your artwork as an asset in a business. And there's this big difference between art practice and art business. You know, it's the way to bring in money and support yourself and your future dreams. And artists often don't want to talk about money, but it's essential to be able to keep doing what you love. And it's a critical component of your art practice. If you don't want to do this stuff, then just make art for fun. And there's no judgment around that. Not at all. Everyone's welcome to do that. Who's listening? You're welcome to make art for fun, but don't expect to make a living from it if you're not doing all these things. So keeping your business name, registering it, knowing where your basically it's where your inventory is and who your collectors are and how to get in touch with them when you have something for sale. Because the, in order to make a living, you have to sell your stuff and you have to know who you're selling it to. And they, basically, that's it. If you want to stay on track and, and stay focused, you need to have systems and tools in place to help you manage the business side. And tools like Artwork Archive help you manage the administrative side of your business by streamlining the cataloging, invoicing, and tracking of where your work's coming and going. And they can also give insights to your sales so you can determine, let's say you are lucky enough to be working with a, you know, a gallery like that, what locations are producing the mud. In these experiments you're doing with the non-traditional, who are those consultants that are producing the most for you? And these are really helpful tools, whether you're an emerging artist or someone that's been doing this for, you know, 50 years. Okay, so let's talk about Artwork Archive more specifically. So first of all, I just want all my listeners to know that if they sign up for Artwork Archive using this link, artworkarchive.com slash inspiration, the Inspiration Place listeners get 20% off their first year of using Artwork Archive. So I invite you to try it out. And Justin, what do you think would be the number one thing they should get started when they sign up for it if they're not doing anything right now? There's a lot there. And no matter how simple we try to make it, there's a learning curve with every new system. I think what we advise people to do is put a couple pieces of your art in there and focus on some of the newer works. If you're an artist that's been painting for years and years and years, it can be really overwhelming to think of, oh, how am I going to get you know things from 2007 or the 80s? So it really helps to focus on getting some of your new work in there because immediately you're going to be able to see some of the benefits on how easily you can present it, how easily you can find what you're looking for. One of the most popular features on the site is the filter feature, which basically allows you to get to exactly what you're looking for most quickly. So let's say you have a client that's looking for a specific size or price range or color range or any kind of parameter. The filtering system allows you to get exactly the works that match those specifications quickly. But I think it's it's great to get a work or two in there, get a contact or two in there so you can start to see how this can benefit your career. And as I said, you know, we from a lifespan standpoint Emerging artists are using it because just like it's important to have the right tools to create, it's important to have the right tools to you know have your business thrive. And then toward the end of the artist lifespan, I cannot tell you how many artists we have in their 70s and 80s using it to preserve their legacy. You know, you've worked so hard to build this legacy and to create work throughout your lifetime. You want it to live long after your own life. 
we have a lot of people using it for archival purposes and to make sure that their career lives long after they do. That's a good point. It's also very important if you need to share a sales history, if you're moving from self-representing to to another situation where people are going to want to know your sales history, or like you said, after posthumous handling of your art, in order for your heirs to sell your art, they need to have that sales history available to them. No doubt. And I think one of the most overlooked things in general is it may seem like a daunting process to get organized to start with. But I can tell you, having watched artists do this for over 10 years now, is the reduction in stress from being able to know who bought what when, where your artwork is, what you have available, being able to access your information, even things like your CV, your statement, your bio, having an all-inclusive place, just basically a one-stop shop for all things having to do with your art business reduces so much stress and saves so much time. So even though it can be a pain in the neck to get it going in the start. You don't have to do this yourself. There are plenty of high school students who you could pay $10 an hour or even less, depending on where you live in the country, who are more than happy to work for an artist doing this kind of work to make money. If you look at undergrads in art programs that are looking for summer internships or looking for things to kind of pad their resume, This documentation process fits into a lot of their curriculum anyway as art history majors and things like that. So we we see that very commonly done. Oh, yeah. Like if you team up with a local college, you could probably get an unpaid intern as well. I've always liked to pay people because I like that accountability of you show up, you get paid. You got it. Yeah. That is a a pet peeve of mine. All interns should be paid. (laughs) Yes. Even the stipend. Yeah, I've definitely used the quote unquote intern, but they've always been paid interns for me. And now I have my full-time people who come. If the idea of managing this data is getting you nauseous, you don't have to do it. You can get somebody else to do it. It has to be done, but it doesn't have to be done by you. All right, Justin. So to wrap up, let me just like let people know one more time. If you want to check out Artwork Archive, artworkarchive.com forward slash inspiration. Inspiration Place listeners get 20% off their first year. Now, do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? We always like to thank artists in general because we know how hard it is to put something out there. But for doing something that genuinely benefits others and to know that people appreciate the fact that you make the world a more interesting place by keeping it funky and by keeping it creative. This is our 10 year, so we're super proud to be celebrating 10 years of you know serving the artist community. We've got quite a few exciting things to come this year, so can't wait to start sharing some of that stuff. That's awesome. All right, Justin, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I will see you the same time, same place, next week make it a great one thank you for listening to the inspiration place podcast connect with us on facebook at facebook.com shulmanart on instagram at shulmanart and of course on shulmanart.com 